Hi everyone, I'm Afara and this is another episode of my podcast La Revoltosa and in today's uh, episode I talk of uh, what we did at Davis class yesterday which it was the 7th of June and um, as I have mentioned before um, David is with us this this term uh, to help us develop our final project for our master and um, yesterday he was saying to us that um, he wanted to help us with research skills practical exercises and and include an opportunity to apply it to our work um, so he was asking us yesterday like some research questions like what are you investigating um, what do you think you are going to find out and that you don't already know and perhaps questions that um, we need as, as this is um, we need to ask ourselves this is obviously an academic uh, environment and uh, we're doing an, an assessment and we're doing um, a preparation It's not only the performance, it's, it's more a research project. So, uh, what are you investigating? So, my topic of my project is so broad and it applies, uh, it gets into so many fields. So, I guess um, what I'm investigating, um, I said to him, the alteration of the perception of the relationships within the family caused by extreme external circumstances and the development of those interactions influenced by the digital world. So basically how the interactions within family change during the pandemic and if those changes could stay after the pandemic and what is the, what is the weight as well in the changing of those interactions of the digital world, aka um, social media, um, internet, YouTube, and so on. So it's a bit both uh, things that I'm looking at and how those things combined during the pandemic obviously have uh, had an, an an influence on changing in changing the the family's interactions and relationships oh another question that he no, another so another question that he asked us was like what do you think you are going to find out that you already don't know so um i answered uh So uh, my um, answer was genuinely awakening. Am I gonna find awakening? So I just mentioned how during the pandemic, some people had um, a second thought about what they were doing in their lives. And if they were really living the lives that they wanted or they were just carrying themselves out by society and then just doing, um, things that they thought or they were like supposed to do as society sometimes they say to you what you're supposed to do in a way like go to school learn work 
family, children retire and die anyway. So very established, perhaps the steps of what you do. And then obviously everyone have different lives, but then I would say that's like a general um, timeline or what you do in your life in um, our society. So some people questioned if they were honestly doing what they wanted. It's like, do I really want to work in this company? Is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? Do I want to be a lawyer? Or, or do I want just to go to the countryside and grow veggies because that's what my heart is asking me to do? So it was a bit of a awakening, uh, awakening at that time. And through observing um, behaviors after the pandemic, uh, so some people are just going back to what they had before the pandemic. So that awakening is kind of went up and now it's like halfway down and, and it's a bit of a division on society. As I said in my previous episode, this is a very personal project. So um, that's the reason why I am allowing myself to get my personal opinion about these different matters. So I am not saying that is how things are. I'm saying those are um the ways i perceive things this is my personal opinion and by no means i'm intending you to agree with me or thinking that things are like that that's how i see things and that's how um and that's um the thinking or the reasoning is bringing me to my performance and what i'm investigating and what i'm working on um so um then he was saying to us like with like a question that we can ask and um, and my question was like so I said will individuals after pandemic question their current patterns and when I said individuals so obviously I'm focusing on families it's like when I say individuals I'm talking about individuals within their family and and the patterns that they are changing are within their family so that's where i am and the patterns not only of like how to behave within their family but as well like um, the work patterns that they have or like how they decide to consciously or unconsciously um spend their time like eight hours at work four at home two with my child or reverse that to six hours with my child three at work so it's like that's what i'm, I'm looking at and um then um um david was saying to us like he wants to help us with literature review and practice review so these are my notes and then we were we were doing an exercise that he gave us last week and it was about doing something together so four of us together and we have to go from one stage to the other one so um we decided to to do <laughs> to do um this little action that we are getting ready because we're gonna uh, sky jump skydive skydive i think it's called and um some 
we did it. It was great fun actually to do it and to do it together and thinking of our actions and then everyone deciding what was their uh, first uh, stage and the second stage. So the stages are the stages like were given to us the, the previous week, which was like number one, jellyfish, two, just waking up, three, Californians really laid back, four, neutral, uh, five, stage manager, everything under control. Um, six, uh, James Bond, emergency, in control, uh, seven, panic attack, emergency, out of control, and number eight, catatonic. Um, so he got very clear everyone's stages but mine. And I was like, okay, <laughs> that's me. So my first stage was neutral, and he said to me it was Californian. And then I would say, let's give that a say yes, because I said to David, it's like, well, that's my neutral. Like, because he was like, oh, very laid back. I said, that, that's the way I am. Like, normally, if I'm not stressing, it's like, it's so cool, like, that's how I am. So I guess I'm naturally Californian. So California is my neutral. And then uh, my second one was a stage manager. And he said um, that was uh, James Bond. So emergency, but everything under control. And now, yes, of course, I understand why he said that one, because we were in an emergency. And I was doing everything under control. So I guess, yes, perhaps uh, given circumstances brought me more to um, James Bond. Uh, I found it like so hilarious, so funny. Uh, I really, really enjoyed that um, little exercise. And we were just honestly having a great time doing it. I remember Ali, oh, she's, she just makes such a faces. Like, she's so great. And I was, um, I was focusing on focusing on her hand when we were rehearsing, we were just trying and then she was having her hand here up. So I was like bringing it down, like kind of like uh, trying to position her like perfectly and everything is nice and mint because that was my state of everything under control so nobody gets off the track. So <laughs> then when I went back to her, I look at her face and she had this very funny, silly face on like, um, because she was um, cathartic. So like big eyes, big mouth open. And she honestly looked like a cartoon character. And because uh, I could not be in character, I was just laughing. I was like, oh gosh, that was so funny. So this um, little exercise um, has brought me to this place of how much fun must be to do comedy. I've never done comedy and I've, I've been told a few times that I'm very, that I could easily do comedy. So I guess because I come across as such a, a serious person. So if I do something that's just slightly funny, it comes across as very funny because I give the opposite Idea. I don't know, I guess it's that, because I've been told many, many times that I was very surprised of that. I was like, oh, who, me? Like, com comedian? I don't think so. Um, but um, when we were doing this little exercise, I thought, that must be so funny. Like, so, so much uh, fun um, to have a piece that is completely absurd. And you 
you're just having so much fun doing it. It's like you genuinely, honestly enjoying doing this. And um, so it's, it's, um, it was bringing me to this, perhaps because I'm from a different generation, but it's like bringing me to these sketches of the 70s and Mr. Bean, for instance, uh, where you have, <laughs> you have this really set up um, scene or stage or like frame and then you hear the you, you have the close-up of the face and then you have the the people laughing at the back so it's like you hear the sound of people laughing and and I had that moment so as I'm saying I'm, I'm a very visual person so some, some things sometimes distract me in that way so when I look at Ali yesterday it's like literally my mind went there and then um, it, it went as well to fantastic, uh, fantastic uh, actors that they work in theatre and they do comedy or they have done some, some comedy and it's like very... you always have the, the clown, let's call it that way, uh, that is very serious and he's trying to put everything in order and the other two or like the other ones are like just messing around, like the Mars Brothers, for instance. Um, I would say, like as an example, or I would dare to say, like the Furades, the Bows, like they hold, they, they do different things. But I would say some, I've seen some of their sketches of uh, what they have done in theater, and it's like you have sentence as well, like this vibe. And I felt that it must be just such a great thing to do like comedy on stage. So that was a really nice exercise. And then um, we were just, we were rehearsing a bit our performance and we were asked to show two minutes or so what we are doing. So as I said on my previous previous episode, um, um, my way of working is very visual and if I see something like is really touching me, it's like, oh wow, I can use that. So I know, I know the vibe I want uh, with my project and I'm in the process of bringing everything back together. So I know the look, I know where I want it to go, but I have not decided yet like this cha- the change that goes within the scene on the, on the stage. I have not decided yet the words of what I, I say um so i don't know this this is the the way i work and that's how it's, it's been for me so i went uh last week i went to to see two performances at my drama school uh as part of my drama school so i had to go to to see them i'm really grateful i went to see them i saw under 21 advance and then i saw under 21 professionals and the director of under 21's professional was femi which is um, who is the director of uh, identity drama school where i go and i've never seen anything that he has done before so i was very curious to see what he came, um, what idea he had in mind. And it was the mono case, so every actor had a little monologue. And um, 
I got distracted but what he did, what the actors did, I mean, amazing, amazing, amazing performance. And he started, so the, the performance started with classical music. Actors were seated on the stage, on, sorry, on the, on the, with the audience. And then spotlights on the stage. So you have these dark and um, light areas. And then actors stood up when the music started and then slowly, slowly started to enter the stage. First two, and then other people were joining the stage. And the stage, um, they were coming from different um, places from the stage. What you understood from the beginning is like, as soon as you were touching the space of the stage, that was a, play, a, a space of pain. The monologues were very harsh and they were very, um, they were uh, difficult to, to listen to them because topics were not easy to digest, let's put it that way. So, uh, but obviously you didn't know what was everything about until actors started um, doing their monologues. Uh, so I found it like so beautiful at the beginning, like the visual of like getting there. So as soon as you touch this stage, it's that place of pain. So actors started to go like very slowly moving with their hands going through their body, their face going down, shoulders and like twisting themselves. So. It reminded me a lot of um, Grotowski's um, exercises and things that you can see in some of his theater, like where he's like, you know, the body. I've seen some of the videos of his school in Poland and some exercises of um, his students, like they are outside on the woods and they would roll down the, the woods. And that's just honestly letting themselves freely roll. So as they were a piece of wood, so letting themselves being, you know, uh, completely in uh, how I would say, like said, the body is incompletely um, symbiosis with uh, with the nature. And then I've seen some other videos of them being rolling this time not with the inertia i don't know if inertia is english sorry uh from from going down the woods but um letting their bodies embodying the the wood itself and like making themselves rolling through the movement and i found those twists of the body and the movement, the slow movement, so powerful and so beautiful. Um, um, and very, in, uh, yeah, I have a great interest in, um, in these actions of movement with the body. I'm not a dancer, 
I'm, I'm not trained as, an, as a dancer at all and I'm not a dancer. I've done something of dance but not um, enough to call myself like a trainer, uh, dancer. Um, but I find that that physicality um, wonderful and so his performance, the performance that he directed started like that and then the actors could place themselves in the on the stage and then they would start with um, their monologues and then interrelating each monologue and then I could see like for instance there was uh, this uh, girl the last one uh, with the monologue and she would have a jellyfish um, stage like she could be talking and her feet could not be stable on on the ground they would be moving because the stage of um, pain she was in could be felt all along her body so the way seeing that performance influenced me is uh, adding that um, entrance to my performance so I didn't know how I how I wanted to to start my performance and when I saw that I was like yes this is this is what I'm going to, to do so it's gonna start this way because in my performance I'm playing with the idea of multi-rolling and with the with the character of the narrator. So I have the narrator, I have the mother, and I have the child. Now I have not yet decided if the child speaks, how it's gonna be video. I have not decided how the child is gonna be interacting, but mostly the uh, narrator and the mother. So I thought that the start of the performance is very good. Just to bring the audience into the inner world of the mother of Maria because um, the stage is, is her world, is her house during the pandemic and and that's how she feels like she's some pain she's some pain and she's on pain at all levels, like from being lost, from being hurt, from giving up. So that's her inside. That's her really, truly inside. And she's having that all for herself like she cannot share it with nobody she has nobody to share it with she has nobody to support her but then she has to put this mask and that's what i was referring on my proposal of the life is beautiful um that film like she has to put this mask on for her child and uh, pretend that everything's okay and she's okay and everything is just fine it's like we're just doing this now but just like don't worry everything is okay, it's okay. we are safe they we have nothing to concern about um, I'm not worried about 
are we gonna eat or how we're gonna eat and I have everything under control and she has to put that mask for her child um, but it's not like that that's not the reality and then she's she's putting different masks for other people and that's where I bring the idea of the masks as well so um, thinking of the performance so I did that bit and then I got something uh, which I cannot read now so as I said I struggling with I struggle with the writing and um, as well um, this is this yeah sounds as excuse it's not excuse um, but uh, sometimes I wonder is like if I can really write what I want to so it's like this is a cultural difference sometimes of the way how you say things and how they are perceived uh, in another culture so I, I will need my friends bless them they've been always proofreading all my my things I will need my friends perhaps to double check what I'm doing and like perhaps uh, helping me to use expression rather than the one I have something else that applies more for English um, with the with the test and with the performance so my influences come from different angles. So one of them is a, is a band um, from the 80s, 90s in Spain. It's called um, Mecano. Um, it's a band that... When I was a child, I was like listening to their songs. And it has not been after many many years like being an adult that I can really see how strong their sounds were because they, they were talking about certain topics that they were really new in the Spain where I grew up of uh, after a dictatorship so um, it's it's sometimes um, often anyway uh, like for some writers like your lyrics have um, ha have such a strong meaning and just because it comes on the way it sounds um, musical uh, you can you, you can hide or masquerade a bit those very strong meanings and then when you really listen to it it's like oh that's what they're really saying so uh, I'm influenced by them on the way of um, speaking as the, the narrator and influenced by them, influenced by Federico García Lorca, which he was a fantastic uh, Spanish poet theater director, actor, and who was killed during the dictatorship in Spain just because he was gay. Officially, that's not the reason, but everyone knows that's the reason. So, uh, the stupidity of um, that was in my country. 
during that time and so in his place as well like he talks about uh, Andalusia mostly he was from Andalusia from the south of Spain I'm very attached uh, to I'm not from there but I've spent most of my time in Andalusia when I'm in Spain and so these uh, he often speaks about the true feelings that we have and we we hide because society wants us to hide it or it's like it's not acceptable in the society to have them so that applies a bit more as well like to my performance of like hiding uh, masks and um, sometimes in his in his uh, place so you have the chorus so his chorus could be my narrator and so yeah and the aesthetic the aesthetic of chiaroscuro which is like light and dark like having these mid sections um, of um, pretty dark area where anything can happen and we can be anyone so I'm influenced by him as well and his theater and his poetry obviously and and also I'm influenced by classical theater so I've been doing Shakespeare at my drama school and I like as well the idea of um, interacting with the audience like so you have in classical theater so you have often like characters interact with their characters in the play and with the audience um, for me it's gonna be my narrator the narrator the one that's gonna be interacting with the audience but I like this I like the direct uh, contact with the audience um, and the poses of classical theater like strong long poses so my performance is gonna be slow and I know that already um, we'll see um, but um, yes so I would say that so um, I want a direct interaction with the audience because I'm also influenced by Bertolt Brecht and uh, how his theater, so his questioning, he's, he's making the audience to, to think about what they just saw. So I, I would love the audience to think about their own lives and how is within their family and what they have done and what they have changed or what they haven't changed and if they would like to change something or not. So that's um, the narrator talking to them straight. It's kind of like pointing these things towards them. I mentioned in my, in my um, proposal that I would like the audience as well to interact with the play. So one day I was doing some so my son was teaching me how to do music with the program online 
which he was hilarious and fantastic, very, very funny and uh, nice to use. So I was thinking, oh, it could be maybe something to look at of how the audience can interact with the play. Now, I guess it depends on like the tone you're gonna set with your play. Um, they are going to, to feel more free to interact with it or not. And if my tone is a bit dramatic at the beginning, I don't feel they might just gonna be brave to see something and and playing with with it. So I don't know if I'm gonna remove that bit from my performance or I will keep it dead or it's something that perhaps I would develop longer. So that's in, it's in standby. I don't know yet what I'm gonna do with that and bit. Um, so yeah, these are the, the, the ideas. So right now, at this moment, I know how is the beginning of my performance, how it goes. And now I have to break it into the different scenes of the performance. I know as well, so something that's got, so props for me are important. So I was actually yesterday thinking how I was going to do this. As I said in my proposal, uh, the aesthetics are influenced by Mauricio Catalan. Um, he's a Italian artist. I, I went to see an exhibition um, many, many years ago when I was living in Italy in Castello di Rivoli in um, Torino. Rivoli, Torino, and one particular piece of art, um, like it just really passed over my soul um, when I saw it. So the Castello di Rivoli is, is a beautiful castle on the top of a hill in Rivoli, a city village around Torino, Turin in the north. And it's um so they have turned this this castle into a a modern art um museum. So you have the old part of the castle and then you have some new structures, modern architecture from the other side with a lot of glass and but being a castle, so you have this massive um, rooms with this massive uh, window. So just to, to put it a bit on, on um, of an idea, so Torino uh, is in Piemonte, so it's like very close to France, and there, like the royals were living there, so. Um, the architecture is very similar so you have lots of places like i would say like versailles there is actually what they call the little versailles outside of uh, torino 
so this this these palaces with uh, the big gardens and the structure like the architecture of the gardens so like yeah like versailles i would say so these castles is this style of like huge rooms with these open beautiful windows so it's very and then because it's on the top of uh, it's on on the top of a hill so it's very bright there's a lot of light and so i remember entering this room and on the opposite corner by the window very close to the window it was this child sitting on a desk a school child sitting in a regular school desk and I was just curious about it, so I went to look closer. What was that about? Just only the child sitting there, I loved it because it was this immensity, like all this open space, empty space, and then you have this child there at the end, um, work like dressing like normal, like mother clothes, sitting on this mother desk. So it was like really out of place. So I thought, oh, this is brilliant. And then when I went close to, to it, I was like shocked of the brutality I felt with the action of what uh, Mauricio Catalan did in this, um, <laughs> in, I would say sculpture. So the child is sitting, hands are on the top of the desk and he had a pencil stuck in the middle of the hand so the hand was like stuck to the table with a pen with a pencil so both hands were like that and it was so brutal and so aggressive and so <sighs> grown like if it, it felt so so grown and I was just shocked of like, like such a huge brutality in in uh, in, in in such a normal everyday uh, experience, which is just a child sitting at his desk at school. So it really, really stuck with me, and so that precise one that precise performance is the one like uh, sorry sculptures is the one that is uh, oh installation i would say installation actually better is is the one that is um really being on me uh a lot because i was actually thinking yesterday how i'm gonna represent the child and so i think i'm gonna have a child as well like sitting and sitting on on uh, with it on a table as well and so i was looking yesterday for um mannequins but they are so extremely expensive so i know that's out of the way i cannot spend so much money on that so i think the solution i have come across with how to do that is I'm buying a head, which is okay. And then I will use some of the clothes of my son. I will stuff them 
to make the body. I might just need to buy hands. By hands, I still don't know. And then, so, because I talk about, um, so I, um, I think um, looking at, oh, I was, I was mentioning that on my, on my uh, proposal is the use of masks. How, not here in the UK, but in my country, I've seen that and in other countries, like kids playing with the masks. Like you're playing football with a mask, it's like, how can you breathe? So how we have come to the point, like we are accepting using masks constantly, even if like it's really healthy to have that on. Um, so I was thinking like to cover his face, like with masks all over. And then, because I'm talking as well about screen time, like, um, what I was writing in my proposal is like how this increase of the screen time has had an impact in, in, on, on us and on our children or on teenagers. So I was thinking, uh, could I have phones instead of eyes? Could I put a phone replacing the eye or could I have a phone stuck to the hand so there's no hand without phone anymore so I went to I want to have the uh, the child completely um, taken by the screen so right now I think I have um, devised how to have the child like how to make it I'm just thinking of like how to where to put the screens or how to do that and I know I want the the chair and the table to be on wheels so I can move it um, that's gonna be something I have to um, think because it's very precise. As I said, I'm, I work very visual so I can see the visuals and then I see the test like flowing after. But those are the things that they are, yeah, I don't know, I work like that. So I know I want to turn the child and I want the child at some point to look at the audience. So I want, at the beginning when I'm playing the mother so the child is always giving the back so you don't know how he looks like and what he's doing but I would like to have that moment of uh, shocking the audience of how the child actually is with this idea of like masks all over and I want to give this idea of um, of uh, perhaps difficulty breathing, like so many things on, and so anguish, perhaps, I would say that's the, that's the feeling I'm after. So um, that's what I have in mind, and I will be working on this week, because next week, maybe just gonna be my last day uh, attending Davis classes, because um, I'm working the following Tuesdays. Fingers crossed I can make the other classes because I really like his classes and I don't 
one to miss and so I want to bring my performance as prepared as possible for next Tuesday so I want to bring my props I, I need my props for work is I, I cannot without so I want to bring that and and then today actually I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a friend who has work um, has studied uh, therapy and I was actually thinking to ask her today about how to do the puppet I would say my my boy of the, of the scene because um, she does puppetry as well so asking her how to do that and then I'm thinking as well to do going back to my childhood so I remember when I was a child we were doing masks with uh, vintage and I remember it was not very hard to do it so I'm thinking as well to do the mask with vintage and the narrator using that mask when it's the narrator and taking it off when it's turning to the mother um, the narrator is using a very neutral um, pace and way of speaking so I think it can work and I'm, I'm thinking as well like documenting of the creation of the mask so perhaps to use it during the uh, play I have not decided that but I would probably document it the process of creating the mask and and then I was just today thinking perhaps to do a quick um, little investigation around and asking like having a questionnaire and passing over to some families I know uh, for them to give me a bit of an insight of what it was for them during the pandemic. Um, investigating a bit more my topic and doing a bit more research like field, field research I think it's called um, with other families so I can get perhaps a, a, a situation or a point of view that is not mine because as I said a lot of things are based on my own experience but I don't want my performance to be completely autobiographical it's gonna have many autobiographical um, things obviously but I want it to be something general with um, something that people can relate to and can't be uh, affected by and it's going very long I'm talking for nearly 50 minutes sorry it's a very very long podcast um, I'm just gonna read a bit uh, what I brought yesterday and it's gonna be around these lines so the narrator would say something like this The night takes over my eyes and my heart and alone in a corner cry 
The child is opening his eyes. Hold all in. Thank you so much for listening until here. It's been a long uh, podcast and a long video, so I really appreciate you to enjoy it. And um, I hope to see you next week in my next episode. Thank you. Bye.